Well, we're going to continue our series called Good News for All today. It's been so great over these last few weeks to study the Gospel of Luke together as a church family. And we're looking at how the good news of Jesus impacts all people. That the good news about Jesus is for everyone, no matter who you are, what your past is like, what your background is. Jesus has come for all of humanity. And uh, we've been looking at Luke chapter 1 over these last few weeks about these prophecies, these messages from from the angels, from God himself about the coming Messiah. And we're going to pick up the story today, Luke chapter 1, verse 57 to 66. We come into the end of this chapter. And the title of this message today is Making Up for Nine Months of Silence. This is what it says. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? they exclaimed. There is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet and and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again and he began praising God. All fell upon the whole neighborhood and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. There's quite a lot of banter that takes place in our household. As you can imagine, with four men living there, my poor mother, she's outnumbered. Well, she does have the cat and the dog who are girls, but uh, she's outnumbered. And uh, there's four of us there and we're always having banter together. Me and my two brothers, we we often gang up on my dad and, and it's quite fun. We do enjoy it on a daily basis, having banter together. And, and I actually love watching David, my middle brother, he often has banter with my dad and I love watching that. It's always hysterical what they both come up with. But my dad has always got a go-to sort of argument when he talks to Dav. And that is when Dav was younger, he wasn't very talkative. He, he was quite quiet. We all were quite quiet and shy boys. But yet he, my dad always brings up the day that changed. And what a nightmare, he says, that day was. We used to have a family home in France and uh, we used to go there a few times every year. We used to love it. We were so blessed. We're so grateful for those memories and those times that we had out there. And it was quite a long journey to get to France. We used to drive all the time. We used to take about seven or eight hours or so, five hours this side to get to the Channel Tunnel, then about an hour on the tunnel, two hours on the tunnel, something like that. And then about an hour and a half, two hours down. That's where our holiday home was. Um, And my dad always brings up this time when when dad was about eight or nine and we were traveling in the car together, I had my headphones on or, and we were all chatting and, uh, and Dav was quite quiet. But my dad said that all changed when my dad asked David a question. And he said, all of a sudden from that day, he said he couldn't get him to stop. It was like somebody had put 50 pence in him. It was like he'd never, he didn't shut up. Nobody knew where all this was coming from. He just kept talking and talking and talking and talking for five hours straight. David was non-stop talking. He was making up for all these years that he'd been quite quiet and quite reserved. Now he was making up for it. 
He's still like that today. Now, for those of you who do know Dav, you'll know that maybe in public or maybe to you, maybe he's not very talkative, you know, he can be a bit reserved in that way. But if you get talking to him about something that he loves, in particular food or cars or, or anything like that, then he is interested. Anything to do with the gym, then he will, won't shut up. He absolutely loves talking about it. You know, we see something similar happening here at the end of Luke chapter 1. With the story has been focusing on Mary, who is being called by God to, to bring into this world the Savior, the Messiah, who has been called by God to bring the Son of God into this world. And it's incredible. We see her song of praise we looked at last time. And, and now we see that the gospel writer Luke, he jumps back to this elderly couple, which he focused on earlier on in the chapter, called Zechariah and Elizabeth. And and God's blessing was resting on Zechariah and Elizabeth. God had, had called them. God had answered their prayers and performed the miracle in this situation. And, and even though they were an elderly couple, God had heard their cry. And, they, and Elizabeth, she was going to give birth in her old age to the forerunner of the Savior, to John the Baptist. And, and God had sent them this baby boy as he had promised. And now it come time to name the baby. The baby had come, the baby had been born that we, we've just seen in the, the latter stages of Luke chapter one. The baby had been born and it was now eight days on and it came time for the usual Jewish circumcision ceremony and, and loads of people came, neighbors, relatives, people would come for the ceremony. And in this ceremony, they were gonna name the child. Now, traditionally, a baby boy would be named after their father or after another relative, after another family member. However, God had told Elizabeth and Zechariah to name the baby John. That's what God had told the told Elizabeth and Zechariah to do. And the neighbors, when they came to the ceremony and they said that his name will be called John, the, the neighbors were shocked. They were like, what on earth is going on? This doesn't happen. He should be called Zechariah. This isn't normal. And so they, they try to t say to, to Elizabeth, you know, you've got this wrong. Surely you should call him Zechariah. But, but there was a problem with Zechariah. Zechariah couldn't speak. So they were motioning to him to try and get him to communicate in some way. The reason why Zechariah couldn't speak was because he had previously doubted the message from the angel of the Lord saying that, that he and Elizabeth would have a son. He doubted that. And God said that he was going to close his mouth until the baby was born. So Zechariah was silent. He couldn't speak. He was unable to say anything about this. And so the neighbors, they were there saying, you know, Zechariah, what's going on? You know, can you tell us, is his name really John? As Elizabeth got this right then. So he motions to them to get some, some writing utensils and, and to get ready. And, and he writes on, as we see here, he, he writes on this, uh, on this bit of parchment paper or something like that. He writes the baby's name is going to be John. It's incredible. And, and he obeys the command of the Lord. He obeys the word of the Lord. And, and everyone is surprised about this. It says in verse 62 to 63. And, and I love what happens next. After, after Zechariah obeys what God had said. Verse 64 says this in Luke 1. It says, instantly Zechariah could speak again. Another miracle takes place not only was it a miracle that john was born not only is it a miracle that the savior of the world was coming by divine conception was coming into this world but this 
other miracle takes place. Zechariah obeys God. He finally gets it right. After messing up the first time, he finally gets it right the second time. And I do want to say, maybe you're watching this today and maybe you've messed up. You know, I mess up on a daily basis. We all mess up. We all fail. We all get it wrong. But our God is a merciful God. He's a gracious God. He's a God who picks us up again. He's a God of the second chance, third chance, fourth chance, 77 times seven chances. That is our God. And God can forgive you today. God wants to restore you today. God's still got a plan and purpose for your life. Don't stay crushed down by by your failure. But today, get back up again. Get following God. Trust in the Lord. He's a merciful God. And and Zechariah, he finally gets it right. And, And as we see nine months before, God had closed his mouth. And for nine months, Zechariah was unable to speak. But now he obeys the word of the Lord and we see that God opens his mouth. God performs this incredible miracle. Nine months of silence were over. He could finally speak again. What was the first thing that Zechariah said? I wonder what would be the first thing that you would say after after nine months of silence. I can't even tell you what Dav was talking about after all those years of being quite quiet and reserved. He just poured out everything. It was utter rubbish, I'm sure. But, but I wonder what would be the first things that you would say. Maybe you would tell your spouse that you love them or your relatives that you love them or, or all these things. What would you say in that moment? Well, it's amazing what, what Zechariah does. After nine months of silence, he carries on in verse 64 of Luke 1. It says, instantly, Zechariah could speak again. And he began praising God. He praised God. That was the first thing that he did. He began to worship God. He began to praise God. He didn't blame God. He praised God. And you know, his praise didn't stop there. Zechariah, he was going to make up for nine months of silence. And something amazing happens next. It says this in verse 67. It says, then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. It's amazing. He begins praising God, begins thanking God for this miracle. He begins worshiping God for the miracle of his son and giving him praise, giving God all the glory. And God comes and fills him with the spirit and he begins to prophesy. You know that that is an incredible uh, way for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God inhabits the praises of his people. And when we get our hearts and lives right with the Lord and we open up ourselves to the Lord, the Lord can fill us with his spirit and and it's for a purpose. It's not just so we can have a tingly feeling or have a nice time. It is for a purpose. And we see God open Zechariah's mouth for a purpose. It wasn't just because of God's incredible mercy, but God opened Zechariah's mouth because he has a message for the people. He has a message to encourage his people. Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to prophesy. And I really believe that we, in our time, we need to be people who are filled with the Spirit and seeking the gifts of the Spirit. These gifts, incredible gifts of the Spirit, including the including prophecy. We need prophecy in our time. We need to, to hear the voice of God, not just the voice of man. We need to hear the voice of God in our time. That's what prophecy is. It, it, prophecy is it's a God-given message speaking into current situations or or future situations. That's what prophecy is. And it's a wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a God-given message. And I wonder, did you know today that God 
is it can it can give you this gift this gift is available for all those who are born again followers of Jesus this gift isn't reserved for a certain group of people it isn't just for a group of prophets this group is for all who would open up their hearts to the Holy Spirit it's a wonderful gift and this gift has a purpose is to to edify people to build up people is to exhort people is to comfort people and get encourage people this is what the gift of prophecy is and I'm so glad for the prophetic messages that I've heard in my own life I'm so glad for the prophetic messages that we've heard as a church as well and may they continue we need the gifts of the spirit within our, our church we need to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit seeking the gifts of the Holy Spirit and and I want to point out something very quickly here is that that Zechariah he begins to prophesy under the anointing of the Holy Spirit you know there is a thing in churches these days where where many leaders and church and maybe pastors sometimes would encourage the people begin to prophesy begin to prophesy begin to prophesy but you know what my Bible tells me is that prophecy comes under the anointing of the Holy Spirit it's not a, a a positive thinking thing it's not it's not something that we conjure up it is God given as we hear the voice of God as we are open to the voice of God and as we're filled with the Spirit God gives us that message that we are to deliver to that people at a certain time it is God given not man conjured up it is God given and we see here Zechariah begins to to prophesy and as I said this gift and all the gifts of the spirit are available to all those who are followers of Jesus I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 he says to the church in Corinth let love be your highest goal but you should also desire the special abilities the spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy pursue prophecy ask God God use me to encourage your people build up your people strengthen your people and so Zechariah under the anointing of the Holy Spirit he begins to prophesy he begins to sing this prophetic hymn and it's a, a very powerful prophecy that Zechariah gives he, he in this prophecy it, it gives four pictures of, of what God is going to do and ultimately this prophecy is all about the coming Savior this prophecy is all about Jesus and prophecy it is about Jesus It's about building up appointing people to Jesus and that's what we see here this prophecy was all about the coming Messiah, about Jesus Christ and what he was going to do here in uh, here on this earth. And so we're going to look at this very quickly, this prophecy, these four pictures. The first thing that under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the first picture that, that Zechariah prophesies that God is going to do this incredible thing that God's going to do is that God is going to open a prison door. Jesus is going to be bring about the opening of a prison door listen to what it says verse 68 of Luke 1 it says praise the Lord the God of Israel because he has visited and redeemed his people you know that word there redeemed it might sound like an old Christian sort of word but that word redeem it means to to set free by pay, paying a price that's what redeem means to set free by paying a price and it can be used referring to somebody a prisoner who's been set free somebody's paid for their bail maybe to be released somebody's paid and they're able to come out of prison or the liberating of a slave as it was back in in those times in Jewish times in historical times the liberation of a slave and that's what was Zechariah here under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and this this incredible prophetic message said that Jesus is going to do Jesus is going to be the one who's going to redeem 
mankind. Jesus came to this earth to bring deliverance to those who are captives. Now you might be wondering, has he come just for prisoners in literal prison? No, he's come for all those who are bound in a spiritual prison, bound by sin, bound by death. He's come to set the captives free. And who might that be? That's all of mankind. The Bible says that we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And, and sin, the wages of sin, is death. That's what happens. Disobedience, rebellion against God. We, we cut ourselves off from God. And that's what sin is. It's saying, God, I don't accept your way. I'm doing things my way. That's what sin is all about. Rebellion against God. And sin cuts us off from God. And it leaves us in this prison. Sin binds us. We, we find ourselves in this prison. But the good news is, this is what Zechariah was prophesying, is that there's a saviour coming who's going to set the captives free, set mankind free. He's going to come to bring salvation and freedom to all who are in bondage and sin and death. And that's exactly what Jesus did. You and I were bound in sin and death and there was nothing we could do to set ourselves free. No good deeds, not about going to church, not about being a good person, donating money to charity, helping the sick or poor. Although they are amazing things, there's nothing the Bible says that we could do to make ourselves right with God. Only Jesus, by his precious blood, by laying down his life for us, only Jesus could pay the price necessary for our redemption. 1 Peter 1 verse 18 to 21 says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless and spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. That's what Jesus has come. He's come to open prison doors and he's come for you as well today. He is still opening prison doors. If you feel bound by sin and death today, Jesus has come to set you free. You can know the freedom, the life, the love, the salvation of our God. That's what Jesus did on, his, on the cross through his death and his resurrection. He set the captives free. And I'm so glad today that I can stand here and say, Jesus set me free. He has set me free. He has redeemed me. I am forgiven. The second uh, picture that the Zechariah gives about what Jesus was going to do when he came to this earth is that Jesus has come to win a battle. Verse 69 to 75 says this, he has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. You know, there's an interesting word here that's used in the New King James Version in verse 69, the New King James Version of the Bible. It says this, it says, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. You know, in, in the Bible, in scripture, a horn symbolizes power and victory. We see that in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 22, Psalm chapter 89. This horn, it symbolizes power and victory. And, and the picture here is that there is an army 
that's about to be taken captive, but then help arrives and the enemy is finally defeated. That's what the picture is. The prophetic picture is here. And we see here that in the previous picture that the captives were set free. But now in this picture here, we see that, that the enemy is defeated so that he can't capture any more prisons. Prisoners. It means total victory for God. This is what this prophecy is, and that's what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Total victory over our spiritual enemy, Satan, and all his principalities and powers. Jesus won the victory over sin, death, Satan, and hell. He won the victory once for all time for all people, as our former pastor used to say. Once for all time for all people, Jesus has won the victory. I love what it says in Colossians 2, 13 to 15. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I love what it says, Luke 1, 71. It says, now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. We see here that Jesus, he has won the victory and he's come to save us from the enemy. And you know that word there where it says in Luke 1, about how he's come to save us from the enemies. It means spiritual salvation of our spirit, of our soul. Jesus has come to save us. We have eternal life. But that word there, saved, it also carries the meaning of health and soundness and wholeness and you know no matter what the the condition of the captives are the redeemer can bring about spiritual soundness and i'm so glad that jesus does that he comes to restore he comes to bring wholeness he comes to bring fullness to our lives he comes to bring life and healing to our lives right here and right now we don't have to wait till eternity he's come to do it now here on earth when we put our trust in him he brings salvation and saves us and brings healing and wholeness to our lives we are forgiven we are redeemed we are taken out of the kingdom of darkness we are transferred into the kingdom of light of light when we believe in jesus i love what it says in 2 corinthians 5 verse 17 this is what happens when we trust in jesus when we place our faith in him it says this means that anyone who belongs to christ has become a new person the old life has gone a new life has begun Jesus, who has come from the house of David, has redeemed us, but he's also given us victory. That's why Jesus was coming to give us victory over our spiritual enemy. The people of God were hoping for somebody who would come to deliver them from the Romans and from that oppression. But Jesus came to save us from the greatest enemy of all, from death and from Satan. That's who Jesus came to deliver us from. And he has delivered us from. Through his glorious resurrection, he has won the victory. But notice here, he's come to set us free and to give us victory. Not to do our own will though, because that again will lead us back to death. That's our sinful nature, we'll always go that way. But he's come not to lead us into bondage again, but to lead us into his life, which is of our freedom and joy and peace and hope and life. That is what he's called us to do, to enjoy him. Verse 74 to 75, Luke 1. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear, in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. So that's what Jesus has come to do. He's come to open the prison doors. Jesus has come to win a battle 
Through me, Zechariah, under the anointing of the Spirit, prophesies that Jesus has come to cancel a debt. It says there in verse 76 to 77 of Luke 1, And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. So again, in the New King James Version, it says this, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. There's another old church word there, but remission means to send away, to dismiss as a debt, to forget the debt, to cancel the debt. I don't know if you've ever been in debt, but there's, there's nothing worse, I'm sure, that feeling of being in debt. But you know, we see here that, that we're all in debt. The Bible says we're all in debt because we've all broken God's laws. We fail to live up to God's standards. I've already mentioned it, but Romans 3.23, for everyone is sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And more than that, we're all spiritually bankrupt. We're all unable to pay back that debt. None of us could, no matter what we did, as I've already said. But the good news of Jesus is that Jesus came and paid our debt for us. He's paid it all. One, John chapter 1, verse 29. I love what, it, what the, the people say here. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what Jesus has come to do. He's come to, to pay the price for our sin, to cancel the debt. We don't have to live in condemnation, guilt or shame anymore. He's cancelled our debt once and for all on the cross. He's cancelled your debt and my debt. And let's thank him for that, our spiritual debt. He's come and he's paid the price for you and me. And finally, number four, this uh, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Zechariah gives this fourth prophetic message from God about Jesus, what Jesus was going to do. And that is about bring about the dawning of a new day. It was a new day, Luke, Luke 1, 78 to 79, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. The morning light though, day springs, some Bibles say, it means sunrise. You know, the people of God here, they were sitting in spiritual darkness, distress and death. The people of God hadn't heard the voice of God for 400 years. They'd rebelled against God, turned away from God. You know, when Jesus came, he brought his light, he brought his life, and he brought peace. You know, our world right now is still sitting in darkness. But the good news is the light of the world has come. The savior of the world, Jesus Christ, has come. And he's come to shine into the darkness. He's come to shine into the darkness of your soul as well. When Jesus came, it was the dawning of a new day. Because the mercies of God they, they are new every morning. A new day has come and you and I can experience a new day, a fresh start, no matter how dark our lives have been or are right now. Jesus is like can shine into our lives and bring about a new day, a fresh start, a new, cre we can become new creations in and through our God. I love what it says in Matthew 4, verse 15 to 16. It says, in the land of Zebulun and Nephalti, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. The light of the world has come. The light has shined in the darkness. Jesus has come and he is still the great and morning star. He is the, the sunrise. He is the sun 
of God. And so as we come to a conclusion of this message today, this old priest who, who hadn't said anything for nine months, he was now making up for nine months of silence when he, he gave this incredible prophetic message, this prophetic hymn of, of praise. He, he was overflowing with joy because of what God had done. God had chosen his son to be the forerunner of the savior of the world who was going to prepare the way of the Messiah. And the good news here is that Jesus is coming. Jesus has come. He come to op- He's come to open prison doors. He's come and he's won the battle through his death and his resurrection over our enemy. He's come to cancel all of our debts, our spiritual debts. And a new day has come through Jesus Christ. We can all have a fresh start in and through him. This message is good news for all and uh, as we jump into chapter two we see the savior of the world come in onto the scene but i'm so glad that he has already come jesus has come and you can know him today i can know him today we can all know him today experience his life and his love and, and god calls us today to believe his good news and those who will believe in jesus if you will believe in him today you can experience his salvation you can experience his freedom you can experience his peace his love his goodness his joy and also you can experience his free gift of eternal life. And so today, let the words of Mary in verse 47 be our words. May we echo those words today. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. Let's thank our God. Let's thank Jesus for who he is and for all that he has done for you and me. Amen.